Some more footage has emerged of Deontay Wilder hitting pads with his new, what, trainer, co-trainer, Malik Scott. Now, Malik Scott has been in Wilder's team for quite some time, and they obviously fought each other many, many moons ago, if you can call that a fight. And following the sacking of Mark Breland and some of the things that Breland said after being sacked by Wilder, and what I know of Wilder anyway, just as a character, having followed him over the years, I was a little concerned about the fact that Malik Scott would become his trainer or co-trainer, whatever the case may be, because one thing Deontay Wilder doesn't need is a bunch of yes-men around him. That's not going to help him. That's not going to allow him to address his flaws and his issues. It doesn't matter how much technical know-how they have, if Deontay is not listening to what they're saying, if he's not absorbing their knowledge, then it's all irrelevant, isn't it? But based upon the previous pad session and this pad session, Malik Scott is clearly trying to get Deontay Wilder to improve technically. And I like it. Hopefully Deontay is over his delusional fantasies in terms of why he believes he lost the Tyson Fury rematch. Hopefully he's over all that and that then paves the way for him to actually get down to the work of improving himself because that's the real reason he lost the fight. He wasn't good enough. So get back in the gym, work on the stuff you're not good at, tighten up in multiple different areas and go again. As I said before, even though Deontay Wilder is a very frustrating character at the best of times, he's still an exciting heavyweight. He's still a tremendous puncher. He's still got plenty of heart in the ring. We saw that in the Fury rematch. So I would like to see this guy resume his campaign. And if we can, as I've said this before, if we can see him in final eliminators, against other top fighters. I mean, imagine, I'm not saying this fight's going to happen, but imagine Deontay Wilder against Philip Hergovich. If Hergovich is looking for an opponent right now, imagine if Wilder stepped in. That'd be great. I'm not sure Al Heyman would allow that, but, you know, I'd like it to happen. There's obviously sparring footage of Deontay Wilder and Philip Hergovich when they were both in one of David Hayes' training camps. You can watch that on YouTube. So, yeah, I think Wilder is looking decent here on the pads, making technical improvements, working hard. He's got a good sweat on there. I like what I see. Let's see him back in the ring. Let's see the Andy Ruiz fight, Philip Hergovich, um, Dylan White. There are so many good fights out there for him. And if he can beat some of these top contenders and earn his next shot at the world heavyweight title, then fair play. Yeah, I'm all right. Listen. I like Deontay Wilder as a fighter. It's only ever been the nonsense that comes out of his mouth that I've really taken issue with. And, and of course, the way in which his career has been maneuvered, where there's been a lot of uh, misdirection, you could say. So anyway, let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Were you as impressed as me that Wilder is really working on his technique here? Not that he looks amazing technically at this point, but he's trying to improve. 
Are you impressed by that? Do you think he's still got some mileage in him in the heavyweight division? Maybe you think he should drop down to the bridgeweight division. Whatever the case may be, leave a comment below. Wilder three fight. Wilder three fight. Because Wilder's a pussy, an excuse maker, and a shit house. Shall we do it and put him out of his misery? Put Absolutely. him seriously smashed to bits. Please. Crack his other side of his skull. Give him another shoulder injury, another bicep injury, a leg injury, <laughs> nutsack injury. No the whole lot. Are you sure now? I am. Or should we just hijack out of it and go to Saudi Arabia and fight somebody else? I will sign here. As a man. Wilder. Contract signed. You're getting smashed. When I say smashed, I mean smash, smash, smash. Bang! You get knocked out. End of one round. You're going. I've got your soul, your mojo, everything. I own you. Super smashed. On Abbas Hussein here for seconds out here with one of the famous fathers of boxing <laughs> in John Fury. John, how are you? So we're, we're cooped up in a hotel. Yeah, very well yourself. Are you, are you good? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, living in crazy times though? Absolutely. You know, they're fierce, aren't they? Mm. But uh, I'm used to bubbles. This is uh, a posh bubble to where I've been. I know, I know. So I can do this lockup, don't worry about that. <laughs> Um, how things been for you in, in this period that we've been in the last You know, I do, I do what I do every day. I do what God tells me to do. And uh, that's uh, uh, just keep me on council and bat on and look after my family. And that's what I've been doing. John, one thing I've learned just talking to you just now and uh, previously in previous interviews is you're, mm. you're a very God-fearing person. You're sort of is that, so is that something that you've implemented in the family? And I think Tommy's exactly the same. Yeah, it's uh, uh, a built-in thing, generation after generation. We do believe in God Almighty, and He is the ruler of everything. He makes all the decisions, you know, and uh, I do believe He gives us the signs and we've got to follow them, and we do. We try to. None of us are perfect, especially me, but I'm a God-fearing man, yeah, and all my family is. Let's talk about why we're in this bubble. Uh, Tommy Fury uh, making another appearance. He only just came out about two, three months ago, I think, at the end of yeah. the year. Um, Talk to me about him. He's had a, he's had a bit of a crazy boxing life. He, he went to reality TV. Yeah. Now he's back and concentrating on boxing. From what I, when I spoke to him last time, he was yeah. saying, "This is it. This is my life now." Um, how have you sort of kept him in line with everything? Because it, it must have been hard for him to veer away from boxing and then push him back into boxing. No, not really, because Tommy never veered away. Boxing's okay. his life. But Tommy don't need boxing. You know, life's good for Tommy. But Tommy wants a fight, it's bred in him. And I think if he had to choose between the two, he'd be boxing, hands down. This is the kid's life, he loves it. You can see how professional he is, you know, 
great shape today. We've had a great camp. He's very professional for a kid and he's easy to work with because he does what you tell him and he believes in what you say. You know, when you've got that kind of relationship with a son, you can do a lot of things. You know, he believes every word I say and I won't steer him wrong because I want nothing from him on the best for him to win and achieve what I think he can achieve. And that's become a world title somewhere in the future. When I last interviewed Tommy uh, just before his last fight, we were just talking about life growing up. Mm. And he said people don't understand boxing because he, he was at times at a bus stop with not much money in his pocket, mm. you know, getting buses to the boxing gyms. Mm. You, know, you know, life wasn't life isn't as glamorous as it looks as it is now for him or for Tyson. But the, you've seen the sacrifice of what your sons have been through. You're a fighting man yourself. Mm. You know what it is to be a boxer. Just, just tell the people um, what it is to be a boxer and all the sacrifices you've got to make to put yourself on a platform. The thing is, spoiled kids can't be fighters. You know, and I only, I'm only doing to Tommy what my dad done to me. And you know, my dad was a number one father. He said, cruel to be kind, son. You'll thank me for this one day. He said, I'm teaching to be a man, a proper man. And that's what I do with my lads. Because when you give a child stuff, he doesn't appreciate it. When he's got to work for it and itself, he appreciates it more. And it's what they call fundamentals of life. You've got to teach them from being born which way to go. You know, and I say to my kids, every one of them, Tyson included, you've got to work and strive for what you really want. And you've got to believe in yourself to get the best out of your own self and take good sound advice of people what's doing it for you. So I just say, listen, yeah, he's handy stripes, got the bus, he did have a fiver in his pocket. But I said, there's only one way to better yourself. That's work hard. And I want you to show to me first what you can do. Convince me first and then I'll take you the rest of the way. And when I think you're ready to move and move right, I'll move you. And that's what we've done. His Andy strike proved he wants this game badly. I was actually going to talk about that. They could be, uh, because Tommy's uh, this big star on social media, yeah. when you get certain promoters, I'm not saying, I'm not talking about Frank Warren or anyone, mm. I'm just saying when you get certain people in the game, they probably want to push him on a bit further, push him up, push him up the TV, uh, push him up to number one spot, make him the main fight of the night. But how much do you have to make sure that you know he's building correctly as a fighter? You don't want to rush him too quickly as well. The thing is with me, I know this job inside out. Yeah. I know exactly what to do with Tommy. He's a kid with limited experience in the boxing field. He had 10 junior bouts. This kid has got to learn on the job. And it's up to me as his father to match him right. And I'll do that. I'm not going to try and get him hurt. I'm not going to try and rush him. I'm not after anything big before it's entitled. You know, and if he, he's got to earn it and learn it, you know, and that's what I tend to do with him. Slowly but surely with Tommy, mm. he's got to be match right, you know, and I'll know when the time's right to move him. And until then, slowly but surely, you know, people must understand that he's a kid in the boxing world and he's learning on the job, you know, and I'm not going to make any slip ups. And I will get what I want out of this by taking my time, listening to my own art, my own mind, my own experience, depending on me and nobody else, and I'll get him to the top. Father on something. 100%. Um, when I look at yourself and I look at Tyson aesthetically, you know, you're quite similar. Tyson's not, <laughs> he's not body beautiful, but you know, he's an, he's an athlete. <laughs> when, you look at Tom, when you look at Tommy, like today, for example, he's just weighed in. Look, Tremendous shape. Great. What, what is that down to? It's just genetics. Or what, what does it come down to? In our family, to be honest with you, there's always one of them. Okay. What's built like him. Now I have a cousin called Henry Gorman. Okay. He's built like him. And yet his brothers are like me. All right. <laughs> he has two other brothers. They're like Tyson, and they're built like me. And the brother Henry was like Tommy. 
you know, so every now and again we throw them kind of uh, Charles Atlas bodies, body beautifuls <laughs> I call them. But listen, if he can fight as good as he looks, he'll do well, won't he? He's got everything, but I'm quite confident, you know, this kid, he believes in himself, he can punch, he can box. And you know, we've had the, we've had the best of sparring, we've had a great camp, and I've enjoyed it. It's been fun all the way, you know. Ideally then, in 2021, uh, providing there's no more lockdowns, there's no mm. more stopping in boxing, how often do you want him out this year? I'd like to have him out every eight weeks. Okay. Every eight weeks, because there's only one way to bring a young fighter through, and that's actually fighting, under the lights. You can spar as much as you want to spar, but the actual learning's done in the ring, and that's where we need to be, and that's Frank's job. And I'm sure Frank can see the same potential as me, and he'll work it the way I want to work we just work together and get the best out of it all. And Tommy's in a, in a lucky position that he's got the heavyweight champion of the world as his brother. Absolutely. And he's also, you know, I've seen him training with Tyson and Sugar Hill at times mm -hmm. as well. How good is that? How beneficial? And how much do you sort of put it into it, to his head that he's got to keep on learning from these guys? Because not everyone in boxing gets this massive opportunity that he's got. No, he's got a good, uh, he's got like a steel ring around him, hasn't he? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, Tyson, He's a book of knowledge yourself, you know, because no one really has got Tyson to the heavyweight champion of the world twice, only Tyson. Tyson's got a unique brain. Those boys just polish a diamond, or just needs polishing. Ty Tyson is a diamond, 22 whatever it is, 100 carat, whatever you want to call them. He's the best of a diamond. Them boys just polish it up and help along the way. But the brains is through Tyson. And when we take Tommy to Tyson, and I've got other sons, very clever, very intelligent when we all get together come up with a good plan you know and I think that plan will take us to the next championship you know and what we've got around us at the minute Tyson can't lose you know even when the AJ fight comes along touch wood hope he gets it signed straight away we just can't wait for that day you know because we want to show the world what we're going to do Tyson will be champion for as long as he wants to be there's only one man beating Tyson that's Tyson no one else how is Tyson anyway very good training hard Never seen him as motivated. Lives in the gym, lives on the road. Plus his book of knowledge, got all the right people around him. Tyson is a superstar in boxing. Uh, John, just uh, talking about Tyson then, um, I, I was watching something on ESPN, his interview yesterday, mm -hmm. and he said it's not optimistic that it's gonna happen. Um, the, the reason is he's thinking that there's been talks for maybe a year, the fight still hasn't been made. Um, also, he's not been out for a long time himself, but also there's also COVID restrictions going on at this present time. But in your eyes, do you feel like, you know, it, it, it can happen next? Obviously, the money the boys are commanding, we've got to have crowds and near normality to make it work. You know, and um, the Ernst, AJ, they've got millions invested in that kid. They've got big sponsorships everywhere. I don't think they're really in a hurry to lose all that. And they know Tyson. Never mind what they say behind closed doors. They know my son is a formidable fighting machine and they know the, the odds are stacked massively against them. And you know what? If, they, if my son does destroy him, which, which I know he will, all that seems to be gone, doesn't it? You know, where are they going to go then? And if I had AJ, I wouldn't want this fight. Just like them, because I'd be thinking, OK, I'm making a fortune out of AJ. Money's coming in left, right and centre. We've got big big sponsorships going on. He's a marketing dream. He's what the public want. I'm going to milk it a bit longer. There's only one thing about milking things. When there's always a nemesis, the nemesis will keep banging on that door until it opens. When it opens, they've got to react. And for my money, get it on.
let the best man win. You know, it's all about the fight. The public's entitled to it, the world's entitled to it. It's the biggest fight this century. Let it happen. We put that contract to them, we're waiting to get a signature on it. You know, it's they're the delay, not us. You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, let them fight. But whether they're gonna do it or not, whether it's good business for them, which I don't think it is, because if I was in their position, I wouldn't want it at all. I'd, I'd want it as late on in AJ's career as, as I could possibly get it. You know, we ain't bothered. Tyson's only 32, he's only getting better. Time's on both men's sides, there's only a year between them. So, whether it happens or not this year, or any other year, we're not bothered. Because if it's not signed shortly, we're going to move on and fight. I've been in boxing for a good couple of years now, and one thing I've, I've, I noticed on social media is, oh, this guy doesn't want to fight this guy. This One thing I've learned about fighters is the majority of them are fighting men. When you look at Anthony Joshua, personally I believe he's a fighter man, he wants to fight Anthony Joshua. Absolutely. Whether there's something going on in the background between managers, promoters, whatever else, Absolutely. that's got nothing to do that's with it. the fight. Nothing to do with the fight. But in your eyes, do you believe that Anthony Joshua wants this fight? I do. Yeah. Yeah. He's too proud not to. The kid's living in the gym, he's got lots to prove, he wants to prove to the world he can be undisputed champion. You know, and uh, he can't blame for that, he's full of confidence, he has ability, you know, and uh, he's got as good a chance as anybody else, you know and he'll probably want it as quick as possible because you know there's nothing like a long drawn out job my dad used to say a long deal is never any good mm. if it's not done quick and sharp you never get the best out of it so at the end of the day we want it either do it or both men go the separate ways and do what they're doing and collide somewhere along the line somewhere we ain't bothered my son's WBC champ two times he's proven he's won everything abroad in other people's own countries AJ left these shows one time got ridiculed, collapsed, you know. Tyson's been numerous times and always been the victor. My son can fight anywhere. You can put him on Mars, he'll perform. Put him on the moon, he'll perform. Take him anywhere in the globe, he'll perform. These men haven't got that quality. They go abroad and the backside seem to fall out. They're half the fighters. And my old friend, Tommy Miller, long, long dead now, he used to tell me, he said, you know son, many a man, he said, he's only half the fighter when he's away from home. I see this a lot of people. I see it with a lot of fighters. I train my boys to fight on the road. We're travellers, we're gypsies, yeah. that's what we do. It's in our blood. We'll fight on the road. We've been roaming the world for centuries and centuries and centuries. So we ain't bothered about travelling. We'll go anywhere in the world as long as the money's right. Saying that about then, uh, about AJ then, um, he had then sort of lost a reason and gone back to Saudi and beat him. Yeah. Do you feel like there is an improvement since that loss to Andrew Ruiz the first time around from AJ? I know there's certain stylistically he's made a, a certain change but he showed that in the Pulev fight as well. But do you feel like there's been a change in him? Absolutely. Okay. You know, he's got additions to his camp. Men I know with good resumes, intelligent men in the game. And has he improved? Of course has improved. He's a better fighter all around. The loss actually has done him good because it has John, sorry, just picking me up. You had to be of a technical issue there. But yeah, yeah you, you said, look, uh, age has improved. He's yeah, a better, massively. He's yeah. a better fighter. Yeah. Um, what did you make of his fight against Pulev then? He's only fought out in December. He should have been stopped in the third round. You know, the kid, the Pulev turned his back. It should have been over. AJ should have won in the third. But you know, a great performance. He'd done his job, done what he had to do. You know, and Pulev's a good man, as we know. Nothing wrong with Pulev. But AJ, too big, too strong. And... He's improved and it was too much for Pulev. You know, but good luck to AJ. I think the kid's a very good fighter. But there's only my son can take him. There's only Tyson can do him. I'll tell you that now. 
I actually wanted to ask you, amongst the travelling community, how much, how much of, because I know sort of tra travellers community works, works in families with the Furies, you know, it's, it's got sort of certain names. How much do they look up to you guys? Because you guys have got these two sons who are, especially Tyson, who's leading boxing and heavyweight boxing. How much do they look up to you guys? A traveller is not bred to look up to anybody. Okay. A true gypsy. Okay. A true, true gypsy travelling man will not look up to any travelling man. They'll admire you and they'll say, you know what, good luck to you. You've done very well. You know, I wish I had a son like you. But they wouldn't, they wouldn't get down the knees for no one because travellers ain't bred that way. You know, they don't look up to anybody. They'll admire you and say good luck and wish you well. You know, but they don't look up to people. That's a traveller thing. Every, all travellers got their own brain and they've got their own families. They command their own ships and that's what we do. You know, I wouldn't look up to no man. I don't look up to anybody, you know. My son's Tyson Fury, he's the heavyweight champion of the world, the best thing since sliced bread in my eyes. You know, the only one person I look up to is our father, God Almighty, no one else. No one else. No, I just wanted your opinion on that, because I've obviously no. not, not seen that. Fair enough. Um, just a quick couple of questions then. Uh, another fighter waiting in the wings is George Joyce. Yep. He's going to be fighting Alexander Usyk. He's yep. going to obviously see what happens between Anthony Joshua and your son. Um, and, you know, what do you make of him? He, he was an underdog coming into the Daniel Dubois fight, put in a great performance in December. What, what do you make of Joe's uh, professional career to date? Let me just say this much. First of all, Joe is one of the nicest people in boxing. What a lovely young man, and you know, he's got a Ferrari engine, keep going all night. You know, he looks crude, but when you stood in front of him, it's another matter. Joe Joyce is one big awkward fighter, strong as an ox, can punch, and he's got a chin of granite. You know, I knew he'd beat Dubois, because I knew all along it was too soon for Daniel. Daniel will come again, mind you, and you know what, he was head on points, but old Joe, he just sticks in like an old diesel. When he's warmed up, he'll keep going, boy. You know, out of him and you sick. Joe Joyce too strong. If Usyk can dance around and just keep pinging him and probably take it on points, that's the only way he's going to do it. But if Big Joe roughs him up, leans all over him, wears him down, I see Joyce stopping him around about nine. Did you feel like Usyk is too small for the division? Messing with these dinosaur-sized men, yeah. And, you know, I don't think he beat Derek Chisora. You know, Derek beat him. You know, let's put it this way. If he hadn't been in that position he was in, and Chisora, the old war horse, you know, what wasn't expected to win at all, put it on him. He couldn't handle Chiz, could he? And Chiz beat him in my eyes. So I'm going with the uh, Joyce team, and I like Joe. Actually, just talking about Chizora, he's been around a long time. Great right, fighter. Yeah, he's got a respect for you guys. Listen, you, right? you know, I've always liked Derek, because he goes back way back when. I remember Derek in the amateurs, he was a good fighter then. And you know what, my son was the only one to take, my son was the first one to take his own, you know. And look how he come on since then. Two great fighters met early in their careers. You know, he went on to do numerous things. Did Derek. Derek's unlucky not to have picked up a world title because six years ago, Derek was probably as good a heavyweight what's out there. He'd still give people a lot of problems today. People who's looking at Derek Chisora for an easy fight don't bother because he'll give anybody a hard fight up until he's 40 year old. He's dangerous too and he likes to fight, does Derek. Good luck to him in his career. 100%. Um, just two quick questions from yeah. yourself. Um, we know that Deontay Wilder lost to your son. Yep. Since then, there's been a lot of things said in the media, things that he's come out with, things where you know, he got rid of Mark Breland for throwing in the towel, uh, talked about the suit. Uh, what, what do you make of the, the build-up of, of, sort of excuses that he's given to his loss to your son? No other word wants a punch straight in the mouth. 
That's what he wants. A punch straight in the mouth. Coming out with that ridiculous rubbish. A sore loser, Mark Breland, top trainer, top guy. He's got a job here with us, Mark, when he wants it. That's how bad Mark Breland is. We'll have Mark Breland as a trainer any day of the week. He can come on with us and help Sugar Hill. That man there, I don't even want to mention his name, not Deontay Wilder. That man is a poor excuse for a man. He got beat fair and square in his own country. He got ragdolled and battered. Battered to a pulp. And he's used every excuse to tarnish Tyson's victory. You can't do it, Deontay. You're a piece of crap of a man. And see that? You want it ramming straight down your throat. I don't want to talk about you, rubbish. Get off. I hope you never fight again, you rubbish. Final one then, where I leave Deontay. And Best stuff. Don't even mention men like He's not a man. In. No, that's fine. He's not a man. Final one. Uh, March 27th, Dillian White makes the return back to the ring against Povetkin. Uh, we know that there's been talks about your son and Dillian in the past. But just somebody, just giving your point of view, you've been on BT Sport, you've done punditry before. <laughs> I just wanted to pick your brain. Give me your thoughts on that. Well, it's funny you should say that I mentioned them. I've been offered a seminar okay. on that bill, Have a you? talk show before it. And I'm going to do it. Interesting. Because I want to see the fight as well. Dillian White, unlucky the first time around. I think Dillian will get the win next time because he just made a, a simple mistake, which anybody can make. You know, the other fella, you know, he's a warrior, isn't he? He's been about. Oh my God, you've never seen a man like him. You could not switch off from him for a second, could you? No. He's got the best left hook in the business, hasn't he? And he proves it. He's not beat till he's conked out on the canvas, is he? It's going to be a great fight. I'm looking forward to being over there in Gibraltar with them. Yeah. You know, but like I said, a good one, 50-50 again. But I've got to commend Eddie Hearn shows. Last Saturday I enjoyed it because the fights were worth watching. There was 50-50, all edges of the seat fights. You know, yeah, the British boys come unstuck. I'm sorry for them. You know, but as a paying customer to the fight game, it was an enjoyable night. You know, and it should be more of them. And the viewing figures will rise through good competitions like that, you know, because the best are fighting the best, aren't they? They come over, Lara done his job. Josh Warrington, unlucky, they got it wrong, you know, should have been paid more yeah. attention to detail. Maybe it wouldn't have happened, but great for the viewing public and great for the Eddie Hearn shows, isn't it? How is your relationship with Eddie Hearn? Do you get I don't know him. You don't know him? I've never spoken to him in my life. I had a good relationship with his father going okay. back in the 80s, okay. you know, because... Uh, you know, I spent many a time chatting to Barry. Barry was all right, good promoter. And he was he was the first one, I believe, to get Sky. Barry Ayn, late 80s, you know. And I was going to sign up with him back in the 80s, but I couldn't be bothered with it. Well, not enough money then. And I weren't good enough. <laughs> Actually, then, just final one then. Uh, talk about money. There's a lot of money flying about in yeah. the boxing now. Uh, we saw just yesterday there was a press bid done for Teofimo Lopez against his mandatory, I think, matchroom bid, three million, and then... Triller, who are new, a company came out and bid six million dollars. Um, shows is some big money in boxing. How much? How much has it changed from back in your day when you were? Well, I used to get for a six three minute round two hundred and twenty five pound in my hand in an envelope, a brown one. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I thought Enrique Wandy for British title eliminated. I think I got nine hundred. <laughs> you know, I got knocked cold out for nine hundred pound. <laughs> That badly, my dad said, I don't know what you're doing. You've got no brains at all. Go back, you're earning money outside the ring, go and do that, it's easier. Yeah, but it's yeah. gone mad, hasn't it? but I don't get into the business side of things. But to be honest, two fighters are putting their lives on the line when they go into that ring. Absolutely. So, uh, they've got to be paid. Listen, they won't pay, you know, yeah. it's a colossal amount of money, we know that, but if it's there, 
who better to have it than the two boxers? They're the ones risking it all. Hey, um, I think make the families comfortable and have a nice life from it. So be it. If you're good enough, the rich are uh, great, aren't they? To those who's good enough, and not everybody's good enough, are they? You know, Teferno Lopez, one of the best fighters in the world at his weight. I think he's number one. You know, under um, Tyson, AJ, everybody else out there, up there, even to the journeyman that is there paying good wages. Because without them, we haven't got boxing, have we? All the journeymen, the champions, they all fit together, they knit together, they all make a unit, and the unit is boxing. And there's only one winner, that's the paying public, so subscribe, BT Sport, there's good shows coming your way. <laughs> I like that. John, it's been a pleasure. And Thank you. you so much. Good to see you. For taking out time to talk to myself. No problem. Out. And hopefully, uh, good luck on Saturday with Tommy. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk in the future. Hopefully. Good John, to see you. John Fury. Take care. This is Rob Tabbert for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. Delighted to be joined for the first time in a long time by Stitch Duran, legendary cuts man, corner man, boxing, MMA aficionado. How are you, sir? Nice to see you, Stitch. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good, Rob. Thanks, man. I, uh, you know, there's crazy times, but it seems that we're managing and trying to do the best thing possible. So I uh, had my second shot. So... As a matter of fact, after we finish here, I got called last night to uh, go to Mayweather's gym. Floyd Sr. is training uh, uh, this one uh, music artist, and uh, they want him to go wrap his hands. So, you know, after I took my second shot, this is the first time I've really gone, gone out in public outside of working shows in the bubble. So, you know, thing, things are looking good. So that's not, um, that's not a new thing for you, obviously, despite, you know, as well as training MMA guys and boxers, some of the biggest names in, in both sports over the years. The last time I would have seen you, or one of the last times I would have seen you, you were with KSI, and you'd been kind of working with some of the YouTuber guys. What can you tell us about this this new star that you're working with, Stitch? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just got the call last night. I, it's the guy that sings. Uh, uh, I'm not a singer, but by any means, I got five on it or something like that. So you got five on it, that guy. So I don't know, but I got the call to see if I'd go wrap his hands and. You know, it's a good opportunity to get out and yeah, I haven't been to the gyms, you know, since this pandemic kicked in. So really, this could be my first time just walking into a gym. But, you know, the Mayweather gym and all the other gyms in Vegas, uh, they're using the proper protocols. So, uh, yeah, feel good to go just see some get back to work. What's that been like for you? Because obviously we've seen you as, as one of the designated cutsmen for, for the top ranked shows in the top ranked bubble inside of Las Vegas. Um but very, very different uh, setup to what you've been customarily used to in the past. Um, what was that whole experience like working in the bubbles and being in the quarantine, et cetera? Yeah, well, you know, working without an audience, I'm, I'm accustomed to that because when I did the, uh, the tough reality show for the UFC, uh, they were without an audience, right? But uh, going into a bubble at the MGM and being restricted from the public, I, I, I did an interview and I said it was more like the boxing version of Shawshank Redemption. You know, basically you're in a pretty nice prison. You're on lockdown. You know, the only time you could go out is to go eat, uh, go to the weigh-ins, go to the fights, and then you're back in your room. So, uh, you know, I did 20, 26 shows with them uh, in, in last year. And uh, I did the, the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones show. I worked with Badu Jack. So I've done 27 shows and, and, and we're off this month. 
uh, and we start up again uh, April the 10th when Joe Smith, one of the fighters I work with, is fighting uh, some Russian guy. How excited are you to be able to get back out and get to the gyms? As I mentioned, I, the last time I've seen you would have been City Gym in Las Vegas, but I know you frequent a lot of the gyms a lot of the time. How excited are you to get back out there? Yeah, I'm pretty stoked, man. You know, once I hang up with you, then I'll get my keys and get a bottle of water and get in my car and then cruise up there. So, uh, yeah, just, you know, just to get back to a little bit of normalcy, that's, uh, uh, that's, that's the main thing, Rob, is just, you know, things are getting better here and, um, you know, I've, I've been blessed. And so I'm looking forward to going over there and just getting the smell of a gym. Now, one of the last times I saw you would have been, I can't remember when exactly it was, this whole last year has been an absolute blur. But um, one of the last times I spoke to you was for Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury rematch in Las Vegas when we sat down and had a catch up. Uh, obviously, a lot's yeah. happened in the world since then. I actually haven't spoken to you since that day. So I haven't spoken to you since the fight. I appreciate it was a long time ago now. But where did that rank that night at the MGM Grand with Tyson Fury with some of the massive fights that you've been in over the years? Yeah, you know, Rob, I've, I've really been blessed with all the events that I've been able to work at historical events, right? And uh, but but to work with Tyson Fury uh, as as a one on one against Deontay Wilder under the circumstances of of the the pre hype to the fight and all that uh, to me was pretty awesome. But you know, Tyson Fury and his team just to work with them what uh, was definitely different. They're all first class people and. You know, they welcomed me with open arms and, you know, just uh, it, it was awesome. And and I tell you, one of the things that that really kind of took up to the top is, you know, I'm in the dressing room. So I, I see when Tyson puts the crown on and when he puts the robe on and and then they tell us it's time to walk. Right. Well, they tell the corner team, you guys wait for him up in the ring. Well, that's as much as I knew. And then when I see him walking out in one of these thrones, brother, I just started laughing to myself. I said, you know what? This is pretty classical, man. So. And then, you know, for him to fight the way he did, uh, it, it, it was quite exceptional. So it, it ranks up there definitely is, is, is one of the top five. And, and like I said, I've had hundreds of them. So uh, I'm glad to have been part of that, uh, that history. You mentioned there kind of that, that second. And this is one of the things that I've kind of missed. Admittedly, I'm not in the dressing rooms anywhere near as often as you are. But that initial period or that, that, that I, I always say it's the 15 seconds – from when the referee meets the fighters in the middle of the ring and the fighters walk back to the corners, that electricity, you can't beat that. That night at the MGM Grand was one of those nights. What was it like being, being in and amongst it that night? As I say, it's, it's almost alien to think about a full packed out MGM Grand now, considering everything that's happened. Yeah, it's, it's pretty electrifying at that point, you know, when they give the instructions and they walk back in and then we walk down to the bottom of our uh, where, are, where we're sitting at, you know, at that point, I start getting my stuff ready. I always prepare for the worst case scenario and, and definitely, you know, with Tyson Fury based on the cut that he had before. So I prepared myself for that. But just to hear the, the buzz of the audience, that's it's nothing like it. It's like when Klitschko fought uh, Anthony Joshua Wembley, you know, and it, it was so loud that literally it just buzzed. And, and I got the same effects with uh, the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder fight. You have to be there in that position to really understand uh, the effects of what an audience brings to to the table now since that i mean since that night seemingly all of that time ago we've seen some some interesting things come out from deontay wilder regarding tyson fury's preparation and tyson fury during the fight now admittedly as far as i'm aware none of those accusations were leveled at you directly but as a member of team fury on the night what did you what have you made of the the suggestions the accusations that have come out from team wilder since 
Yeah, you know, you kind of you kind of hear it all the time, Rob, when somebody loses under those type of circumstances. Uh, to me, it was all bullshit. You know, it, it's it's kind of feeling sorry for yourself and really disrespects yourself. Uh, you know, and, and when you understand what goes on behind the scenes and you could see why it was just a farce, it was just trying to, you know, climb up the wrong tree, but you have inspectors there. And then, you know, Deontay Wilder had his manager in the dressing room. So he got to see everything that we did. And not only that, but listen, man, we do everything by the book. And, you know, that, that theory of he took his hand out of the glove to punch. To me, a guy that wraps thousands and thousands of hands, it makes no sense. Because why would you want to take your hand out of the glove when it's in a position where you could actually hurt yourself? But then in the same token, if you ever put a glove on and then you wrap the tape around it like we do with the commission, it's impossible for you to move your, your hand out of the glove. So all that was, uh, was wrong. Uh, what he did to his coach, uh, uh, Breland, I, I thought was wrong. And uh, I think uh, as I was walking out, I did uh, an interview with uh, BBC and they asked me that. And, and I said, you know, that's, that's, that's just totally wrong because uh, I knew like in the fifth round, I actually, I told Sugar, because I had worked with Sugar before and Andy Lee, you know, through Emmanuel Stewart, worked through that system. And I looked at the corner and I said, man, they're going to stop the fight down the road. And I think two rounds later, they ended up stopping the fight, which was the right thing to do because, you know, Rob, when, when you look at injuries, you look at short-term injuries or you look at long-term injuries. Long-term injuries are more dangerous than the short-term injuries. Short-term is a broken bone, a cut, things you could repair. But when you have the long-term injuries, those are the dementia pugilistica, the punch drunk syndrome. And those are things that take an effect down the road. I remember when Andre Durrell fought um, uh, Esquiriga, I stopped the fight because the doctors were looking at it. I asked him, I said, do you want to continue? The doctors are looking at stopping the fight. And he kind of said no, and I stopped the fight. And nobody understood, but he did. Next day he called me and says, you know, him and his wife. He says, thank you, man. You know, I just had nothing in me. So my job is there to protect the fighters. And uh, that's exactly what happened. So that was a bunch of bull. And it's, you know, it's disrespectful to the game. And it was disrespectful to Tyson Fury and the team. When you're in that kind of that pressure cooker environment, how important is it to have somebody, somebody such as yourself? And this isn't, I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about Deontay Wilder in this instance, but how important is it to have somebody experienced, somebody who knows the game, somebody who knows what the, the potential, you know, this is, this is the deadliest sport in the world. There are fatalities in, in boxing. There was fatalities in 2020, 2019. How important is it to, to have somebody in there who's looking out for the interest of the fighter? Oh, it's 100%. You know, and, and the thing about it is you have to understand the mentality of a fighter. They're modern day gladiators, but deep inside, they're all babies, right? And, and my job is to take care of that baby and, and to be truthful. And uh, so, yeah, that's, it's extremely important because, you know, you got to protect themselves from themselves. You know, you got to protect them from themselves and, and, and understand the heart and, and soul of a warrior. But uh, yeah, I've been through a lot of battles like that and, you know, taking care of a lot of fighters. Now, you've mentioned, um, we've mentioned kind of the raucous atmosphere that night at the MGM Grand. You've mentioned the brilliant atmosphere of Anthony Joshua versus Vladimir Klitschko. You know where this is going. There's a lot of talk about Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua. Now, what a massive fight that would be to be involved in, Stitch. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, it's, it's, it's the fight of this year. You know, it has to happen. Uh, the point is where it's going to happen. I know they've been talking about, I just read an article yesterday about Las Vegas. And Las Vegas, I think we're going now to 50% capacity. 
So if this happens down the road, that maybe the arenas will be at 100% capacity. You know, they're looking at uh, uh, United Arab Emirates. Uh, so we'll see. But uh, no, I think it's, it's, it's a hell of a fight. And, and, you know, people ask me, well, how do you see this fight? And normally me as a cut man, because I'm so, I try to be neutral, but I'm logical. I look at the facts and not, not the, the, the promotional part of it. But, you know, when, when Tyson Fury fought Vladimir, that knowing Vladimir's skills and seeing what Tyson Fury was bringing to the table, I thought it was going to be a very easy fight for Vladimir. But as I saw him fight Deontay Wilder uh, the first time, I saw his style and his style is very, very unpredictable. And you can't teach anybody how to fight against it. You can't teach anybody how to fight like that. So Tyson Fury's own style is his own style. And, and I think that's the worst kind of guy that you want to fight. You know, he's just not, he's not your basic fundamentalist guy. You mentioned there about um, Las Vegas opening up to 50% capacity is one of the things I wanted to speak to you about. Um, that's got to be a huge thing for boxing moving forward. The fact that we've not had Las Vegas. Las Vegas is the epicenter of combat sports, not just boxing. But it'll be huge for boxing to be able to have that. And we've got Josh Taylor versus Jose Ramirez at the end of May going to Las Vegas. He's gone. He's back again. Um, yeah. Great, great for the sport to see things open up in Las Vegas. What's it been like in Las Vegas while there's been nothing on it must have been something of a ghost town yeah uh, no doubt about it and you know even the casinos were closed you know and, and once they opened up semi opened up the casinos all the nightclubs the entertainment all that 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 brings resources to uh las vegas uh were closed so now they're starting to open up the restaurants or opening up the 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 casinos and a little bit more and so it's it's slowly but surely getting back to normal one of the things that I most enjoy about going to Las Vegas, I've mentioned already, is going to the gyms, seeing fighters in the gyms, young fighters mixing with professionals, ex-pros. There's You can see a, a seven, eight, nine-year-old amateur training alongside a world, world champion in gyms in Las Vegas. I want to talk to you about the young hotshots in Las Vegas who I know you would have seen or heard of. The lightweight division at the minute is absolutely on fire in the sport. How great is yes. it for boxing to have all of those young stars? I know you would have heard or certainly seen the likes of Devin Haney, Javante Davis, Tiafimo Lopez, all around that Las Vegas hotbed of sparring. Brilliant time to be a lightweight in boxing. Yeah, no, it is. And, you know, Tiafimo uh, and his dad, they've been at the bubble, at uh, the top rank shows. Uh, they made the move to Vegas, you know, and then uh, to see Devin Haney and to see Tank and all that, uh, Ryan Garcia, you know, uh, you got Orlando, uh, that uh, that is there also, and uh, so you got all these the young talent. That's the new generation that's going up. You know, these are the guys that are behind uh, the uh, the Spence and Earl Spence and and the, uh, the all these guys, Terrence Crawford. This is the new generation that's coming up. You know, it, it'd be nice if we could see something like that in the heavyweight division, but I'll take these guys right now as it comes. <laughs> um, you mentioned kind of Tiafimo and all of those other guys. Any in particular early memories of those guys? No, you know, outside of, I, I was there when, when Teofimo fought uh, Lomachenko. And I mean, I'm like 15 feet away from the ring and I'm watching it. And, you know, I just can't understand the logic between uh, by Lomachenko. And that's why, you know, it's, it's important to have a good team to guide you. And uh, I, I was a little taken aback of why he used that type of style. Uh, but no, you know, I've, I've seen Tank and I've seen Devin Haney train in the gym. And, you know, they're they're right on it, man. You know, so... Uh, you know, even uh, Ro uh, Rolando uh, Romero, you know, he's the guy that's knocking guys out, you know, and uh, he's kind of another guy that's in the quiet storm. So it's nice to see the young 
uh, generation doing well. Oscar Bevis, IFL TV, proudly sponsored by Everlast Fight Day in the Hennessy Sports Bubble in Coventry, Sky Dome, 10 o'clock live, Channel 5 tonight. Delighted to be joined by Mr. Peter Fury. How are we, sir? Yeah, I'm good. Very good. 500 fans in attendance tonight. I feel like just walking around today, everyone's got that little buzz. A little bit of boxing normality tonight. It's nice. It is. It's uh, been nice. I'm looking forward to this because it's, uh, I've got no fighters on. It's, uh, it's a day off for me, you know? So I'm really uh, excited about it. I've relaxed. I came here last night, stayed over, had a bit of food with Mick. And uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, I've enjoyed it. So far, so good. I was going to say, do you get to enjoy much boxing? Because I suppose when you're there, like, for example, with Savannah, with Huey and whatnot, it is stressful. So I suppose it's a time like this, although you're always around boxing and sometimes it might be nice to escape, this is like enjoyment levels. Oh, it is, because you're right. When the fight's on, you, you're busy, you're not enjoying it, you've got a job to do. So this is, uh, this is nice for me. It's a nice break. It's nice, relaxed, and I'm uh, looking forward to the fights. And I'm going to watch every fight. I'm going to get there at 4.30, get myself comfortable, and just sit and watch everything. Because <laughs> uh, that's what I do. Some life. Um, we could talk about the card and run for it and beer for, for hours, but I just want to talk about Sam Egan and Carlos Molina. There's always drama, always excitement involving Sam. He gives shots. He can take shots. He loves to tear up. Um, and Carlos Molina's Mexican, so I don't know if we got the ingredients for a war tonight. I think so. I can see that happening. Uh, you know, I think um, Sam Egerton's coming on a lot. He's an old school type of fighter. He's come up the hard way. You know, he's, what's he had? Nearly 40 fights, and he's 26 or 27. So it goes to show you, you know, and he's got a good record, you know, considering who he's been in with. So I see him as improving. It's just small tweaks now for Sam. But he's, uh, he's getting there. I'm expecting to see a very good fight. And uh, I see we're probably going to see a few more improvements in Sam as well. Because now he's enjoying the boxing. Where before, he was just going about it every day. You know, but now he's, he's got a different mindset. So I'm looking forward to seeing the improvements in him as well. A couple of people said at the press conference when they were talking about Sam, John Pegg especially said that fights of previous, Sam was put in because it was he's going to be the guy on the card to entertain. The fans will love it. But now it's like he's been put in fights that are right for him at the right time. So he's almost like now he's being looked after, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And uh, the other thing you got to look at, this WBC silver belt, whatever it is, that's a nice belt, so that'll lift him as well. So um, all Sam's got to do now is have that self-belief in himself. He's been in with everybody. And like, he's, like I say, he's, he's still improving. So I, I tip him for good things, Sam. Well, I do just want to get your thoughts on something that's on everyone's lips at the moment. I've never used the word arbitration before, and I've said it a hundred times this week. Um, yeah, it, I don't know, it's a little bit of a fiasco, and I suppose from a British boxing standpoint, quite disappointing. Very disappointing, you know, it is a, it is a fiasco, like you said. Um, what can you say about it? You know, court cases are looming, and yet they're putting big fights on. You know, silly, really. Well, if they've got the time to waste, then it's fine. 
but it's not it's not good for the boxing fans. So I don't know what's happened. Don't know who's to blame for it, but somebody certainly knows more than what's saying. So it's wrong, really. It shouldn't happen. And I suppose that's what we're going to see when the concentration should be on the fighters, and we were sort of primed and ready for the fight we all wanted to see. I suppose there's going to be a lot of finger pointing, which is the, like the side of boxing we don't really need to see. I think what's going to happen now, everybody just needs to settle down, get on with the fights they're having. At least we're going to see two very good fights. We've got uh, Wilder fighting now, and uh, hopefully AJ will be fighting Usyk. So they're good fights in itself, and should they come through that, at least they're going to fight at the end of the year, and they'll get all the money they was promised, and probably more. So in the long run, it could work out, but these two are not foregone conclusions. The two banana skins, to be honest. So anything can happen, which makes it, for the fans, it's more intriguing because uh, we're getting more value for the money, aren't we? And in terms of Deontay Wilder, I know obviously he's taken a lot of stick on Twitter. British fans are saying, you're ruining this, you're ruining that. But I suppose there's no blame towards Deontay Wilder. As a fighter, you look after yourself. You've got to do what you've got to do, be it take step aside money potentially, which isn't going to happen or try and win your WBC belt back. There's no real blame towards Deontay Wilder in all this, I suppose. Yeah, there's none, is there? You know, it, there's been a breach of contract. Look, you've signed three fights, which I wouldn't have never have done anything like that, the three-fight deal. I don't know what they was doing. You can understand the rematch clause, but they've had it. That should have been the end of the matter. But there's a three-fight, you've signed to it, you've agreed to it, then get on with it. What's, why is Wilder to blame for any of it? It's not be, his, his agreement hasn't been honoured, has it? So he's entitled to have his third fight and try and get his belt back. So that's where we, that's where it's all at. So it is one of them things. Uh, it, sh- it shouldn't have never been any arbitration. It should have just got on with the fight and just got on with their obligations because always with breaches of contracts and things like this, they can come back to roost, can't they? They can come back to bite you. Does boxing, sort of just in a wider sense in general, need to look at rematch clauses? Because I understand sometimes there's a close fight, like Canelo Golovkin won, let's, let's make a rematch, whatever. Sometimes decisions as well don't go the way that the public thinks, so there's demand for a rematch. I don't know, the rematch clauses need to sort of be just assessed in general in boxing because it seems like it's a third fight where a rematch, like we said, isn't really required. Uh, you know, I, th- I think you're right. It's obviously, look, when world champions are at the top, so much money involved. You know, they need a second bite at the cherry, you know, so they can come back the second time and correct the f- from the first time. So the, the rematch is, it is what it is. But a trilogy, you know, everybody's got no interest in that, have they? And Fury and Wilder's been broken down by everyone under the sun. So just quickly on uh, Joshua Usyk, that is a real intriguing fight. I mean, we've only seen Usyk twice at heavyweight, obviously once against Derek Chisora more recently. But um, yeah, I cannot picture them two in the ring and how that would play out. It is a real intriguing fight. It is an intriguing fight, but Joshua's got the power, you know, and he has got the, he has got the size. But, you know, he's a very slick boxer. And Usyk, he's put on weight himself. I think he's six foot four, so he's not a small heavyweight. Um, so it, it will have its complications there. But, um, you know, it just depends how much Usyk can take and if Joshua can get his shots off. Joshua's got fast hands, he's improving as well. So um, he improved on his last fight with Pulev. You know, I like what I see with him. You know, he's in and out with his legs. You know, he's, he's moving a lot better. And he's, again, he hasn't had a lot of fights, has he? So he's constantly tweaking his job and learning. So it'll be a good fight, but it's a good test. You know, if Joshua wants to pit himself against the best, you know, Usyk's right up there. So it's going to be a, that's a, that's a pick em type of fight for me. You can't look up and say, it's got it's going to be Joshua. You can't say that, you know, because it can go the other way as well. 
which makes good fights. So I'm happy to see these type of fights happening anyway. If I'm going to divert towards Huey Fury, fought on uh, Anthony Joshua's last card. What's the deal with Huey? Obviously, we want to see him back out being, what, five, nearly six months since uh, that win over Marius Vak. I know with British heavyweight, sometimes people just chuck names out there and put them in the rumour mill. We never really know what's concrete, of course. But, uh, yeah, Huey? Yeah, we've been offered, a, well, not offered, but a few opponents have been put forward. They've not materialised because the opponents are not ready, they're not fit enough or whatever, or near in retirement. So... We've got no opponent for Yui at this time, and uh, we're just waiting on a date. So Yui has to be out two times this year, so we'll look to get him out on two times. Hopefully he's going to fight, could be June, July, I don't, I don't know, we'll have to wait and see. And um, I'm just waiting to hear back on opponents and when they can uh, fit Yui in. But he will have two fights this year. Obviously we know he wants a world title, the world title belts are busy and even busier now. We've got what we mentioned earlier. I know he said he wanted revenge. now. It looks like Povetkin may retire. Pulev, although he's coming off the back of a defeat, I know Huey was so intent in December in every interview he's saying, I want revenge. Is that something that he's still sort of got the fire for that he's gunning for? I don't know. Is he, you know he'd take any of them fights tomorrow if we could get them. But um, it's if they fights can be made and for talking reasonable money. There's a lot of things you can want and not end up getting. This is the game we're in. But for me, world titles and all that, for me, Huey's 26. I want to see him keep fighting keep busy and uh, just improving his game where it's at a level where when he gets there, you know, he's the real deal in it. So for me, all the fighters are fighting each other anyway, you know, at the top. You know, the ones in the top five, they're all matched off against each other. So we'll just sit back and uh, keep you ticking over and um, his time will come. Hopefully by the end of the year, he'll be in a lot different position again. Eddie's sort of been teasing fans with the, uh, the fight camp plans and saying he's got mega plans. Um... I don't need to mention the person we normally mention alongside Savannah. I imagine she's going to fight on fight camp. Um, is that the case? Yeah, I assume it is. I know Eddie was saying um, Savannah's going to get her on in July. If that's one of his fight camps, you know, fantastic. So um, we're looking forward to that. And hopefully at the end of the year, the Shield fight can be made. So Savannah's willing for it. Everybody's excited about it. So hopefully we can get that fight on. Has it put more of a spanner in the works, the fact that she's now gone away from boxing? Because, like, I don't know, it seems like it, she might put forward that she'd want a fight before Savannah, or even if she doesn't say so, she might want a fight. So, I don't know, like, this just seems to sort of be pushing it back. For us, um, it doesn't matter. Uh, like I say, if she wants that fight, definitely she can have it November, December time, or pr preferably in November, or whenever Eddie's got a show on. So, whoever that's going to be against. So we'd like to see Savannah with Shields and uh, hopefully that happens. If Shield need, needs a warm-up fight or whatever, that's also fine. It doesn't matter to me whether it's November, February, March, it doesn't matter. But I'd like it to be this year. If it's going to happen, you know, get it on, isn't it? We're both ready. So hopefully uh, if the money's right, um, like I say, I don't know what Shields is going to want. But uh, hopefully if, they can, uh, bridge, if, if Eddie can bridge the gaps, then there's no reason why he shouldn't fight. And just finally, Peter, before I let you go, um, mouth-watering fight tonight from Vegas. Hasn't been picked up by British TV. It seems like it's gone a bit under the radar, but us boxing fans know we're in for a treat with Taylor and Ramirez. I think it's going to be an amazing fight. You know, George Taylor is a serious talent. I like him. I've, I've seen him fight a few times. I've not seen much of Ramirez, but everybody's saying he's very good. People inside of boxing who's been sparring with Ramirez say he's the real deal and uh, 
he's been training very hard for this fight. So this is a good fight to see. Um, I'd like to see it, but I don't know how. Is it, will it be on YouTube tomorrow or something? So there's a channel called Fight TV that you have to subscribe monthly to. Um, who are going to be putting it up? I think we're going to come back to the hotel and watch it, Peter. So if you uh, would like to watch it and get an instant reaction on IFL TV, I won't say no. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, maybe I might just do that, and uh, yeah, that'd be good. So what time is it on? Vegas time. We're talking like the four thirty-five. So a uh, couple of cups of coffee. Yeah, what time will that be over here then? Oh, that is the time of here, 4 or 5 a.m. Oh, yeah, in bed. <laughs> Listen, look at these grey hairs, you know, I'm not like you, you know, I need me sleep. So what we have, I'll have to watch it the next day on YouTube or something. Brilliant, Peter, thanks for um, giving me some of your time. Enjoy tonight and hopefully we'll catch up very soon. Good speaking with you, Oscar. We've got our own kind of Siri for Zoom now. This is Umar Ahmed for IFL TV, proudly sponsored by Everlast. What time is it? It's quarter to 12, midnight nearly. Um, Gareth, yeah, it's uh, a bizarre world boxing and it's just got more bizarre. So uh, what is the latest situation with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder? Well, you're, you're mentioning Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder there, not Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. Um, let me just rewind a little bit. Obviously, we had um, affirmation just 24 hours ago from Tyson Fury that in his mind it was on with Anthony Joshua. We knew that the contracts needed to be looked at. Um, that was confirmed by Bob Arum uh, because the religious festival of Eid was going on through the end of last week. And um, then the shock news tonight just a couple of hours ago, that Deontay Wilder had won his civil arbitration case for a third fight, a trilogy fight with uh, Tyson Fury, ordered by uh, the judge in uh, the United States, Daniel Weinstein, uh, that it must take place by September the 15th. Now, if you recall, the trilogy fight was part of the contract and they were going to fight on July the 18th. Then we had the pandemic. It didn't work out right. Wilder had his surgery, I think, on his shoulder. Um, it was mooted for a couple of other dates, then December. And by December, um, there were comments from Bob Arum that they'd moved on, that the, 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 the contract, the clause in the contract had elapsed by then. And obviously, Tyson Fury was about to fight um, in the UK on December the 5th. He never did. Um, Joshua fought on December the 12th, and then it was all stations go until now um, with the Fury 
Joshua undisputed title in Saudi Arabia. My understanding is, um, and I'm not a lawyer, but my understanding at this moment, and no one's really available for comment at the moment, because obviously Shelley Finkel, uh, Deontay Wilder's co-manager, is probably locked in talks with Bob Arum, uh, Fury's US promoter, Wilder's people, Fury's people discussing this, maybe even with Mauricio Suleiman of the uh, WBC, the belt that Fury holds, to sort out whether or not um, it, they're definitely moving ahead with Wilder Fury or instigating that it must happen, or whether Wilder, if he so wishes, can take a step aside payment, which is um, not unusual, or Fury vacates the WBC title and they go ahead in Saudi Arabia with Fury and Joshua. Just to finish on that, but will Joshua then accept it because the WBC belt isn't on the line and he doesn't win the undisputed title? This is boxing, boxing politics, as Lennox Lewis used to call it. And he was affected by that as well. And I'll go into that in a minute. Hmm. Let's say Tyson vacates the WBC. Can there still be legal implications for Team Fury and perhaps any broadcasters who've put on Fury Joshua? Potentially, I, I suspect, given that if the judge has ruled that Fury's got to fight Deontay Wilder for the WBC belt uh, and he holds on to it, obviously there are implications. If he vacates the belt, obviously it'll be Wilder then would move forward and fight for that vacant belt. But there's two massive fights out there now. There's Fury against Wilder and there's Fury against Anthony Joshua. But right now, it looks like Wilder and his team hold the upper hand in this situation because, as you say, there are... I don't know if it's definitely possible, but if it's a federal case, it's different to being a civil case. But I suspect that Wilder's team may be able to issue proceedings or injunctions against the sanctioning bodies and the TV companies proceeding with the WBC belt there on the line, because that makes sense. Um, but there was a case, I wanted to tell you about this case. Uh, when Le Lennox Lewis, um, when Lennox Lewis, I've got it here. When, um, way back in 1999, if you recall, when Lennox Lewis and Evander Holyfield um, met at the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas, Lewis won by 12 round decision to become the undisputed champion. And obviously he's the last heavyweight as we know to be the undisputed champion, but it only lasted for five months because Lewis was stripped of the WBA title um, just a couple of days before he knocked out Michael Grant in the second round. Um, Lewis had been ordered to face um, John Ruiz um, and that contractual, situa contractual situation became the subject of a lawsuit filed by both Ruiz and Don King, and that was upheld by a federal judge. So the implications are that it could be similar here. 
in that maybe the only way um, for Fury to fight Anthony Joshua right now is to vacate the WBC belt. But who knows what other ramifications there are as well. I mean, it's been so long, Umar, in the making, and it's incredible that this giant spanner has come in the works right now. Maybe this is what has been holding it up. We don't know because there's so many things going on in the background. Mm. What is your gut feeling about what will happen? Obviously, you mentioned the potential possibility of Team Fury paying Deontay Wilder to step aside. Um, but from what I've heard, money isn't going to budge Deontay on this. He wants to get back in the picture, i.e. get a shot the vacant title if, if Fury yeah. or fight Fury uh, a third time. So, you know, Tyson, do you think you'll vacate or do you think you'll just get in there with Wilder and, and try and beat him again? Well, as... as um... We all know fighters are a rare breed and who knows what's going on. You know, I'm not at liberty to mooch around in their heads, but like, like you say, if you're getting soundings um, and people are hearing in the circus and the circuit that Deontay Wilder won't take, you know, I just put out a figure earlier, five to eight million. When he's seeing, and, you know, I had a snap reaction to what happened earlier. Um, when... Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury are up for earning 60 million plus for fighting each other in Saudi Arabia. He's perhaps looking at that and going, well, you know, that could have been me. So maybe five to eight million is not enough. Maybe 15 million is not enough. Maybe the money is not enough. And as I say, fighters being a rare breed, maybe he just wants to get it on again with Tyson Fury. Maybe that's deeper than the money. The money's always important. Maybe that's deeper in his mind than the money. So, you know, what will what do I think Tyson Fury will do? Well, Tyson Fury's already said he's never fighting Deontay Wilder again, if you recall. Do you remember? Yes, yeah. Um, it's a it's it's a royal mess. It's an absolutely royal mess. We've got three brilliant heavyweights at the top of the tree, and at the moment. We just don't know who's going to fight who. We've got an August the 14th date. We've got a September the 15th date. And right now, at midnight in the UK, a day after we're all celebrating, perhaps, that the fight was going to be signed this week, we've got nothing but arbitration and potential just settlements and court cases and proceedings. So... I'm exhausted. Um, I really am exhausted by this fight and this top of the tree of the heavyweight division, but it was forever thus. Big money creates different monsters of, of the negotiations, and I think that's what we've had in this case. Maybe Wilder does have the right to a third fight with Tyson Fury. Had there not been the COVID-19 pandemic, we would have all been there in Vegas in, in was it July last year, wasn't it? July the 18th last year. Yes, yeah. yeah it yeah. was scheduled for July. We would all have been there. When we left Las Vegas after an amazing event, I think it was only just about a week later that Deontay Wilder said, yeah, I want the third fight. And we'd have all seen it again. Um, and maybe we will see it again. Um, but maybe we won't. Maybe we won't see Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury now. You know, I just feel like I need to go to sleep. Well, I know certainly people in Ukraine 
will be asleep at this time. But they, when they wake up in the morning, there's going to be a few smiles on their faces when it's all about Alex Krasuk, uh, Igis Klimas, and obviously Alexander Usyk himself. Well, absolutely. And what you're alluding to, to there, of course, is there is a chance now, and it could even be in Saudi Arabia, that Anthony Joshua may be on a slightly later date to give him a bit more time to get Rob McCracken away from the Olympics, fights Alexander Usyk there because the Saudis clearly want an event. It's a great fight. And maybe we're all going to go to Vegas to see Tyson Fury fight Deontay Wilder. The fans could be the losers, but it could go into 2022 and they could be the winners again. You know, um, it's this is boxing. This is boxing. Expect the unexpected. Well, someone told me, I can't remember who, but they said never rule Al Heyman out in the picture. So we're seeing that play here. Absolutely. And Shelley Finkel. Of you know, course. Yeah. He's always there. You know, it's look, it's a, it's a massive thing that they've got to get through in the next couple of days. And no doubt we'll, uh, we'll see all the bits come out. But I doubt whether they will talk about the arbitration publicly because obviously there are gagging orders around these kind of things in the United States and over here, of course. So I doubt very much whether we will get bits and pieces leaked out unless they come to finalization over how they settle on this. Okay. Well, it's now 10 to, um, so it's time for bed, but appreciate your time on IFL TV, Gareth. Always a pleasure. A little bit of cocoa and into bed for me now. Okay. Thanks, mate. mate. We'll speak tomorrow. Good man. Cheers. So we had Tyson Fury put out this video where he finally confirmed that the undisputed fight with Anthony Joshua would take place on August 14th in Saudi Arabia. But a day later, we get this news that Deontay Wilder has won his arbitration case with Tyson Fury and the judge has ordered that Fury face Wilder for a third time by September 15th of this year. Now during this whole period of negotiation between Team Fury and Team Joshua, Bob Arum has been very dismissive publicly about this Deontay Wilder arbitration case, acting as though it wasn't a problem that he understood the contract had expired at the back end of 2020, and there was nothing on their side that would prevent them from going ahead and fighting Anthony Joshua. Given the fact that Bob Arum and Frank Warren have seemingly sat on their hands and let Eddie Hearn do all the legwork and the heavy lifting with regards to trying to find a location and sort out a deal with regards to site fees and what have you. It does make you wonder whether Bob Arum knew all along that there was a very good chance that this arbitration with Wilder's team could derail the undisputed fight. And if that's the case, then Bob Arum perhaps was stringing not only Eddie Hearn along, but also Anthony Joshua, his own fighter Tyson Fury possibly, although there's the possibility that Tyson Fury was in the know, and indeed stringing along millions of boxing fans. 
there's the possibility that that's what Bob Arum has been doing since the beginning. Now, in terms of solutions, Bob Arum has seemingly ruled out the prospect of paying Deontay Wilder step-aside money, which is very disappointing to hear. He appears to be saying that the Fury-Wilder trilogy fight can happen this summer, and then the undisputed fight of Anthony Joshua later on in November, December. This is not what most boxing fans want to hear. Most boxing fans want to hear that some type of deal was being worked out with Wilder to get him to step aside and allow the undisputed fight first. Now, if there is the desire on behalf of Team Fury to do the undisputed fight first, then again, I'm not privy to all the negotiations and the details of the contract. Bob Arum did say that if they do pursue the undisputed fight with AJ first, the contract will have to be amended. Now, one way that they perhaps could sort this situation out would be to go ahead with the undisputed fight on August 14th, because that is before September 15th, right? That's before the arbitration deadline, the deadline the judge gave for Fury having to fight Wilder. Now, obviously he can't fight Wilder if he fights AJ on August 15th. There won't be enough time to rest and then train again. But because it's technically before that deadline, go ahead and fight AJ and then simply have the winner of the fight vacate the WBC belt. That could be one way to do it. Now, you might have to square that with Team Wilder first. Say, okay, we're going to go ahead and do this undisputed fight on August 14th. And after that, we're going to vacate the WBC belt so Wilder can fight whoever he wants for it. And if Team Wilder are not happy with that, they could throw a sweetener in there and say, okay, we'll vacate the WBC. Wilder fights whoever he wants for it. And then we have a rematch between AJ and Fury. And Wilder is guaranteed the winner of the rematch. See, that's one way of resolving the situation with regards to the rematch and the AJ Fury fight, because I would imagine it's unlikely that either Team AJ or Team Fury would want to go into an undisputed fight without a rematch clause in place. And all Bob Arum has talked about how he doesn't like rematch clauses and all this kind of stuff, but he's been called out on that and exposed on the fact that he has had rematch clauses in place for many of his top fighters. When it's an in-house fight, like Lopez versus Lomachenko, there's less need for rematch clauses in terms of protecting the interests of the promoters, right? Because whoever wins, they win. Both fighters are with them. Whereas when it's a fight of this magnitude, AJ Fury, and both fighters are represented not only by different promoters, but also different broadcasters, I have to imagine it's very, very unlikely that either side would be comfortable with going ahead without a rematch clause in place. So the way to get around that, as I've just explained, could be to go ahead and have the Undisputed on August 14th. Perhaps you'd need the approval of Wilder to do so and then let Wilder fight for the vacant belt after that, guaranteeing him a shot against the winner of the rematch in 2022. So let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Tremendously disappointed. I'm about to go and watch interviews with Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn and see what they have to say about the situation. I know Eddie Hearn's got to be absolutely gutted. I've seen the uh, title of this video, interview with Eddie Hearn, where he's basically saying it's out of our hands now. It's all in Team Fury and Team Wilder's hands. It's for them to sort the situation out. And therefore, it's for them to decide what direction they want to go in. Do they really want this undisputed fight? If so, why is Bob Arum talking about it's better to get Deontay Wilder out of the way 
because we're not going to pay him any step-aside money. Why is he talking like that? Also, Bob Arum has revealed, according to this tweet from Michael Benson, that he's reserved the uh, Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas for July 24th. Now, did he reserve this stadium for that date before he got the news about this arbitration result in favor of Wilder? Or had he reserved it long before July 24th? I don't know how you would find out, okay? I wouldn't expect Bob Arum to tell you the truth if indeed he had reserved it prior to that date. Maybe he'll surprise me. I'm sure there are some people screaming at the screen right now saying, Hatman, the reason why Bob Arum is saying that we won't pay Deontay Wilder step-aside money is because Deontay Wilder's team have already turned down the step-aside money. They've already made it clear that they won't accept step-aside money under any circumstance. Well, I guess that's a possibility. But do you think that's probable? Do you think that Wilder and his team are desperate for the Fury Trilogy fight, or they're desperate to get the WBC title back. Which do you think is their priority? For example, if they were given the choice of either fighting, let's say Dylan White for the vacant WBC title, or fighting Tyson Fury for the WBC title, which do you think they would pick given Deontay Wilder's track record throughout his career? You let me know what you think, and I guess time will tell at the end of the day. But the whole situation is very disappointing, very concerning, and I have to acknowledge Derek Chisora at this point because he said all along, despite the positivity from Eddie Hearn, from Anthony Joshua, and from eventually Frank Warren, Tyson Fury, and Bob Arum, despite, and obviously those guys have also expressed skepticism here and there, but they've also expressed positivity too. Despite all that, Derek Chisora was consistent in his negativity. <laughs> he never once said, oh yeah, I think the fight's going to happen. No, he maintained all along, this undisputed fight is not going to happen in 2021. Because, and he, he said specifically because of the Deontay Wilder situation being unresolved. That is going to stop it from happening. It will happen in 2022. I hope that there is some way to salvage this. I hope there is some way for Derek Chisora to be wrong. But at this point, it's not looking good. Okay, but ultimately, I believe it comes down to the desire of each team. I think it's completely indisputable now that Team AJ, Eddie Hearn, Joshua himself, and so on, they want to fight. But with Team Fury, I'm not so sure if they want to fight next or not. And I'm not necessarily talking about Tyson Fury himself, but perhaps the people around him, the Bob Arams and the Frank Warrens. Because why would Frank Warren, I mean, excuse me, why would Bob Arum be talking about we're not paying Deontay step-aside money? Why? It's not like Fury won't be getting an astronomical sum for the undisputed fight. So surely he can break off Wilder a piece and allow the undisputed fight to go ahead? Because what you risk doing, of course, is going fighting Wilder for a third time and then losing to Wilder. And then where's the undisputed fight? And, and by the way, when it comes to Deontay Wilder, he will have been out the ring. Let's say he fights Tyson Fury next. He will have been out the ring for just as long as Tyson Fury. So it's not like Fury's got an advantage in terms of activity if he fights Wilder next. If the trilogy fight between Fury and Wilder had taken place last summer, I would have given Wilder next to no chance because I don't think he really wanted the fight at that time. And I don't think he had enough time to 
prepare himself mentally, physically, and technically for a Tyson Fury rematch so soon after the second fight. But he will have had well over a year if he fights, let's say, Tyson Fury in August. He will have had well over a year since the first fight to improve, to recover mentally, emotionally, physically. And I personally, and maybe I'm in the minority here, I like a lot of the work he's been doing with Malik Scott, working on his technique and so on. It remains to be seen how well that translates to the ring. Maybe it'll all break down very quickly and he'll turn back to the wild swinging country bumpkin once the going gets tough. But like I say, I give him a much better chance now against Fury than I did a year ago because of the fact that he's had more time to recover and he's had more time to work on things. And Fury hasn't been any more active than he has. And if anything, even though both guys will have been out the ring for the same amount of time, Wilder stays in shape. Fury, even now, even though he's this changed man, he doesn't stay in shape. He still puts weight on. We still see him out drinking with Adrian Broner and doing all this kind of stuff. Anyway, let me know what you guys think in the comments below about this unfortunate situation. I've already seen some Deontay Wilder fans online talking about how nobody was complaining when Anthony Joshua was blocking the undisputed fight between Andy Ruiz and Deontay Wilder. Well, you can't level that charge at me because I was saying in the immediate aftermath of AJ losing to Ruiz that I want Ruiz versus Wilder next, that that's my priority. The videos are still up, so you can never accuse me of that. I've been consistent all the way along that the undisputed is my priority, irrespective of who partakes in that fight. But anyway, I'm out. Come and join me on Patreon and access my weekly no holds barred censorship-free podcast where we lift the lid on a wide range of controversial topics. It's not mainstream friendly, it's not politically correct, but that's the whole point. We dare to stand as a beacon of reason against an army of insanity. Just head on over to my Patreon page and select the tier called Hatman Hot Topics. You'll gain access to a minimum of two hours of exclusive content every single week, including podcasts, videos, interviews, live stream Q&A sessions, as well as my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. Not to mention a vast back catalog of hundreds of hours of previous episodes. You can listen via the Patreon app with the option to download in high quality MP3. We've also got a Discord server where you can come and chat and hang out with myself and other members. There's no contract, no commitment, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today. got our own kind of Siri for Zoom now. This is Umar Ahmed for IFL TV, proudly sponsored by Everlast. What time is it? It's quarter to 12, midnight nearly. Um, Gareth, yeah, it's uh, a bizarre world boxing and it's just got more bizarre. So uh, what is the latest situation with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder? Well, you're, you're mentioning Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder there, not Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. Um, let me just rewind a little bit. Obviously, we had 
um, affirmation just 24 hours ago from Tyson Fury that in his mind it was on with Anthony Joshua. We knew that the contracts needed to be looked at. Um, that was confirmed by Bob Arum uh, because the religious festival of Eid was going on through the end of last week. And um, then the shock news tonight, just a couple of hours ago, that Deontay Wilder had won his civil arbitration case for a third fight, a trilogy fight with uh, Tyson Fury, ordered by uh, the judge in uh, the United States, Daniel Weinstein, uh, that it must take place by September the 15th. Now, if you recall, the trilogy fight was part of the contract and they were going to fight on July the 18th. Then we had the pandemic. It didn't work out right. Wilder had his surgery, I think, on his shoulder. Um, it was mooted for a couple of other dates, then December. And by December, um, there were comments from Bob Arum that they'd moved on, that the, 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 the contract, the clause in the contract had elapsed by then. And obviously, Tyson Fury was about to fight um, in the UK on December the 5th. He never did. Um, Joshua fought on December the 12th, and then it was all stations go until now um, with the Fury-Joshua undisputed title in Saudi Arabia. My understanding is, um, and I'm not a lawyer, but my understanding at this moment, and no one's really available for comment at the moment because obviously Shelley Finkel... Uh, Deontay Wilder's co-manager is probably locked in talks with Bob Arum, uh, Fury's US promoter, Wilder's people, Fury's people discussing this, maybe even with Mauricio Suleiman of the uh, WBC, the belt that Fury holds, to sort out whether or not um, it, they're definitely moving ahead with Wilder Fury or instigating that it must happen or whether Wilder, if he so wishes, can take a step-aside payment, which is um, not unusual, or Fury vacates the WBC title and they go ahead in Saudi Arabia with Fury and Joshua. Just to finish on that, but will Joshua then accept it because the WBC belt isn't on the line and he doesn't win the undisputed title? This is boxing boxing politics, as Lennox Lewis used to call it. And he was affected by that as well. And I'll go into that in a minute. Hmm. Let's say Tyson vacates the WBC. Can there still be legal implications for Team Fury and perhaps any broadcasters who've put on Fury Joshua? Potentially, I, I suspect, given that if the judge has ruled that Fury's got to fight Deontay Wilder for the WBC belt, uh, and he holds on to it. Obviously, there are implications. If he vacates the belt, obviously, it'll be Wilder then would move forward and fight for that vacant belt. But there's two massive fights out there now. There's Fury against Wilder, and there's Fury against Anthony Joshua. But right now it looks like Wilder and his team hold the upper hand in this situation because, as you say, there are... I don't know if it's 
definitely possible but if it's a federal case it's different to being a civil case but I suspect that Wilder's team may be able to issue proceedings or injunctions against the sanctioning bodies and the TV companies proceeding with the WBC belt there on the line because that makes sense um but there was a case I wanted to tell you about this case uh, when Le Lennox Lewis, um, when Lennox Lewis, I've got it here. When, um, way back in 1999, if you recall, when Lennox Lewis and Evander Holyfield um, met at the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas, Lewis won by 12 round decision to become the undisputed champion. And obviously he's the last heavyweight, as we know, to be the undisputed champion but it only lasted for five months because Lewis was stripped of the WBA title um, just a couple of days before he knocked out Michael Grant in the second round. Um, Lewis had been ordered to face um, John Ruiz um, and that contractual, situa contractual situation became the subject of a lawsuit filed by both Ruiz and Don King and that was upheld by a federal judge. So the implications are that it could be similar here in that maybe the only way um, for Fury to fight Anthony Joshua right now is to vacate the WBC belt. But who knows what other ramifications there are as well. I mean, it's been so long, Umar, in the making, and it's incredible that this giant spanner has come in the works right now. Maybe this is what has been holding it up. We don't know because there's so many things going on in the background. Mm. What is your gut feeling about what will happen? Obviously, you mentioned the potential possibility of Team Fury paying Deontay Wilder to step aside. Um, but from what I've heard, money isn't going to budge Deontay on this. He wants to get back in the picture, i.e., get a shot the vacant title if, if you're yeah. or fight Fury uh, a third time. So, you know, Tyson, do you think you'll vacate or do you think you'll just get in there with Wilder and, and try and beat him again? Well, as, as um, we all know, fighters are a rare breed and who knows what's going on. You know, I'm not at liberty to mooch around in their heads, but like, like you say, if you're getting soundings um, and people are hearing in the circus and the circuit that Deontay Wilder won't take, you know, I just put out a figure earlier, five to 8 million when he's seeing, and you know, I had a snap reaction to what happened earlier. Um, when Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury are up for earning 60 million plus for fighting each other in Saudi Arabia, he's perhaps looking at that and going, well, you know, that could have been me. So maybe five to 8 million is not enough. Maybe 15 million is not enough. Maybe the money is not enough. And as I say, fighters being a rare breed, maybe he just wants to get it on again with Tyson Fury. Maybe that's deeper than the money. The money is always important. Maybe that's deeper in his mind than the money. So, you know, what, will, what do I think Tyson Fury will do? Well, Tyson Fury's already said he's never fighting Deontay Wilder again, if you recall. Do you remember? Yes, yeah. Um... It's a, it's, it's a royal mess. It's an absolutely royal mess. We've got three brilliant heavyweights at the top of the tree. 
And at the moment, we just don't know who's going to fight who. We've got an August the 14th date. We've got a September the 15th date. And right now, at midnight in the UK, a day after we're all celebrating, perhaps, that the fight was going to be signed this week, we've got nothing but arbitration and potential just settlements and court cases and proceedings. So I'm exhausted. Um, I really am exhausted by this fight and this top of the tree of the heavyweight division, but it was forever thus. Big money creates different monsters of, of the negotiations, and I think that's what we've had in this case. Maybe Wilder does have the right to a third fight with Tyson Fury. Had there not been the COVID-19 pandemic, we would have all been there in Vegas. In, in Was it July last year, wasn't it? July the 18th last year? Yes, yeah. yeah it yeah. was scheduled for July. We would all have been there. When we left Las Vegas after an amazing event, I think it was only just about a week later that Deontay Wilder said, yeah, I want the third fight. And we'd have all seen it again. Um, and maybe we will see it again, um, but maybe we won't. Maybe we won't see Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury now. You know, I just feel like I need to go to sleep. Well, I know certainly people in Ukraine will be asleep at this time, but they, when they wake up in the morning, there's going to be a few smiles on their faces when it's all about Alex Krasik, uh, Igis Klimas, and obviously Alexander Usyk himself. Well, absolutely. And what you're alluding to, to there, of course, is there is a chance now, and it could even be in Saudi Arabia, that Anthony Joshua, maybe on a slightly later date to give him a bit more time to get Rob McCracken away from the Olympics, fights Alexander Usyk there because the Saudis clearly want an event. It's a great fight. And maybe we're all going to go to Vegas to see Tyson Fury fight Deontay Wilder. The fans could be the losers. But it could go into 2022 and they could be the winners again. You know, um, it's this is boxing. This is boxing. Expect the unexpected. Well, someone told me, I can't remember who, but they said never rule Al Heyman out in the picture. So we're seeing that play here. Absolutely. And Shelley Finkel. Of you know, course. He's yeah. always there. You know, it's, look, it's, a, it's a massive thing that they've got to get through in the next couple of days and no doubt we'll uh we'll see all the bits come out but I doubt whether they will talk about the arbitration publicly because obviously there are gagging orders around these kind of things in the United States and over here of course so I doubt very much whether we will get bits and pieces leaked out unless they come to finalization over how they settle on this Okay, well, it's now 10 to, um, so it's time for bed. But appreciate your time on IFL TV, Gareth. Always a pleasure. A little bit of cocoa and into bed for me now. Okay. Thanks, Bye, mate. mate. We'll speak tomorrow. Good man. Cheers.
This is Andy Purrawal for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm delighted to be joined by Leonard Ellaby out here at the Mayweather Gym. Leonard, how are you doing? Great, great. Good to hear. Obviously we've seen a workout with some of the fighters who will be fighting on June 6th. Start off with Badu Jack. How impressed have you been with his, his form, his fitness, his work under the guidance of Jonathan Banks? Very, very impressive. Uh, uh, Banks is a tremendous uh, trainer. Um, he has um, brought some some new things to the table and I expect uh, Badu Jack to be better than he was in the last fight. The, you know, I, the, I have the utmost respect for, for Pascal. He's a tremendous champion with a big ass heart and he comes to fight. He's never in a boring fight and the fight on June the 6th, I expect them to be round 13. You know, you know what I'm saying? I think the fight will pick up where it left off, you know, uh, both guys um, went through some, some, some turmoil per se in in the first fight. Badu was buzzed early in the fight, and and, and he reversed it on um, Pascal down the stretch. You know, and I was really impressed on how Pascal was able to hold on. You know, the referee could have stopped that fight. You know, um, we all thought. You know, when the bell had rung, Badu had did more than enough to win the fight. But hey, he gets another opportunity to give the fans a great, great fight. I think this fight will be a fight of the year candidate again. You know, because both guys, you know, they just have big hearts. And they're not going to take a backward step. Neither one of them. It's going to be a great fight. The headline for that is Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul. How is Floyd? Floyd is doing great. Um, you know, he's just really looking forward to it to our event on the 6th of uh, June. Floyd obviously considered the greatest of our generation. What do you guys, or what has Floyd made of any critics of seeing him getting in with one of the YouTube stars? Uh, Floyd don't pay that no attention. This is entertainment. See, one, one thing about entertainment, when, you, when you're close-minded and you don't think outside the box, then that's why people stay on the level that they are. Floyd Mayweather has been the biggest star in our sport and one of the one of been the biggest stars in the entire world for years and top of years on top of years. He was the highest paid athlete in the entire world for a reason, because he always thought outside the box. This right here, this event is solely entertainment, you know, and we have a big platform. The fans can tune in if they want to, and if they don't want to, they don't have to. It's okay. What was Floyd like after the Jack Paul incident? He was pissed. He was, he, was, he, was, he was really pissed. I've only seen Floyd pissed like that four or five times in, in his entire life. He was really pissed because he's big on respect and I was super disrespectful what Jake Paul did. You know, but you know, sometimes when you do shit, you gotta pay for it. Can you recall those other scenarios when Floyd was annoyed or were you not allowed to say? No, no, I don't want to get into that. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> Leonard, just moving forward as well, I want to touch on Javante Davis. He returns soon, facing Mario Barrios. How's Javante doing? Javante's doing well. He's having a great camp. Um, and he's just looking forward to, you know, being part of history, you know, make, making his mark. You know, and that's, that's what it's all about. He's um, one of the biggest stars in the sport already. And he's just look, looking to add on another notch on his belt but it's going to be a tremendous challenge i expect barrios to be his toughest challenge to date because of what he brings to the table 
And moving up in a whole nother weight class, you know, that's a tough task within itself. You know, and we're talking jumping two weight classes. Because his last fight was at 130. And he made that comfortably. You know, um, but, you know, this is the, the fight that he wanted. And he's getting exactly what he wants. Leonard, people speak about the 135 division and Javante's name's right up there with the likes of Tifimo, Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia. Do you think we will see him in with one of those other names soon? Sure, why not? Why not? You know, um, all of them are tremendous talents, you know, and all of them are looking to continue to build their profile. And, um, you, you know, we're going to fight the biggest fights out there possible for the most money. That's what we're going to do. And I just got to ask you as well, we heard the news yesterday, Deontay Wilder won his arbitration case to have a third bout with Tyson Fury. Just your thoughts on that entire situation? Um, you know, the arbitrator ruled in Wilder's favor. This has been going on for, for quite some time. Uh, there, there are a lot of people who were involved. They kind of overlooked this process, you know, and kind of just, you know, went on about their business, acting like it never even existed. And here we are today. What do you think happens in this third fight? If it does go ahead, if there isn't no step aside from Deontay, for example, what do you think will happen this time around? Wilder definitely 100% knocks Fury out. 100%. Early or late? Early. I think he gets him early. Right, Leonard, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you.